Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Anybody know who Willie Lynch was? Anybody? Raise your hand. He was a vicious slave owner in the West Indies. The slave masters in the colony of Virginia were having trouble controlling their slaves, so they sent for Mr. Lynch to teach them his methods. Keep the slave physically strong, but psychologically weak and dependent on the slave master. Keep the body, take the mind. I and every other professor on this campus are here to help you to find, take back, and keep your righteous mind. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with guest co-host Sarah Lena. We are Return of Intelligent Radio as we assured the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Welcome to all the truth seekers out there listening to this morning's Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Sarah Lena, I am so glad to have you in Thank with you me again me. this morning. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We definitely appreciate you, you know, filling in as my guest co host from time to time. You are excellent at doing so. We also have a guest on the line. I'm trying to get both our guests on the line for this morning, but I know I have um, another queen out there, Latrice Ross. Thank you, Queen, for being with us uh, and with the Truth Seekers this morning. Hoping to get um, Shelly Winters on with us for this amazing discussion that we're about to have. But if you will, say hello to the Truth Seekers, Sarah, Latrice. I'll say hello to each other. And um, we'll start with you, Latrice. Give a little bit of your background as I try to reach out to Shelly in, in, in the meantime. Absolutely. Good morning, Lena. Good morning, Montoya. I am excited about today's conversation. Um, A little bit about my background. I um, am a diversity and inclusion consultant, and as a woman, um, women's rights are important to me. And so when Montoya reached out to me to join this discussion, I was excited um, about it simply because under the current administration, women's rights are being eroded, and we are seemingly headed towards a real-life version of the handmaid's tale. So, um, of course, I'm in line to stop anything that um, that would stop anything that would um, send us down that line any further than we already are. So I'm excited to join the conversation, and um, hopefully we can um, reach a sense of understanding uh, regarding what women's rights are and who has the right to infringe upon them. Mm-hmm. Hey, fair enough, if you will, Sarah Lena, if you will, Queen, go ahead and give some of your background. Only thing that I've mentioned in the promotion of this week, um, you know, that you are the author of Bad Bitch to Goddess, which is an amazing <laughs> book that we've, okay. you know, that we've that we've discussed on this on this platform. Um, I just think, based on your history, and again, I always love having you come back. But I also think based on your history, you may have a unique take. You and I haven't discussed this, but I do believe you may have a unique take when it comes to this morning's discussion. Because truth be told, I had you lined up for a whole other show. And let me go ahead and let that cat out the bag. Let's let's make that real clear to anybody out there listening. Because 
you know, we we like to say we like to push the envelope. We like to have the conversations people are afraid to have. Uh, but mm-hmm. this topic was so hot, and I called right. out and said, "Well, do you, are you willing to talk about this?" And you said, "I'm game." Uh, but yeah. just to even make people laugh, because this would have definitely took people in a different direction. Uh, we we had planned. We were so happy to bring to the truth seekers, and we managed to figure out another way to do this show. But we were going to bring should porn be introduced into marriage? That was the plan for this morning <laughs> show. But of course, the abortion yeah. topic has hit the fan, and. Right. Historically, what we do on this show is we don't touch hot topics unless we're going to give a different perspective, and I think we will do this this morning. So that's a big backdrop uh, before you give people your background, but if you will, give people your background. And, again, I'm hoping to get um, Shelly Winters on this this morning as well. Go ahead, Quinn. Um, Peace, Ms. Latrice. Um, again, I, I I understand. I really think that this is a great topic, and I really hope that it does bring a lot of understanding to people um, because this is a really sensitive topic for a lot of people. But um, a little bit about myself, I am a certified professional coach and mentor. I'm an educator. I'm an author, multi-entrepreneur, and I'm an activist. <laughs> so that's what I do. And I am very passionate about um, my people So this topic Is definitely going to be interesting uh, Absolutely Absolutely And uh, yeah hopefully everything's okay uh, With our other guests We'll try to figure it out we got a break coming up um, So let's go ahead and run this uh, now, Ideally um, Again as we always do For those that are new listeners To the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show We definitely try to bring both sides to the table uh, Myself and Sarah Lita In a sense we're going to get the male and female perspective in in the sense of moderating this discussion. Uh, and Go had been, obviously, with our special guest again. Latrice, thank you for being with us. And, again, hopefully we'll get Shelly, who, in a sense, you are pro-life, Latrice, and he's our, I'm sorry, pro-choice, I'm sorry, pro-choice, and he's our pro-life advocate. Uh, again, hopefully we get that side to the table. Uh, as, you know, I'll make my best attempt at, at presenting that side as I understand it. But again, our goal is always to bring both sides and to have people listen to what each side has to say about this issue. But either way, I think this is still a lively discussion. And again, I hope you get that perspective and maybe the callers. So, people out there, if you are pro choice or pro life, we will open up the phone lines and give you your three cents on this discussion. And ultimately, let me repeat this, the goal is to actually have a dialogue versus a debate and where we actually listen to the other side. I don't think people are used to doing that in the media per se, but we pride ourselves, as we call ourselves, the return of intelligent radio, that we're going to have intelligent discussions. We're going to actually listen to what the other side has to say. doesn't mean you have to agree, but we definitely like to bring those aspects to the table. So we actually got a few minutes um, before the break, and obviously you've given us your background, Chief, but we'll start with you as a guest. Um, again, I heard you say you were excited to talk about this show, and so I'll just take a, a quick, in a sense, I always like to ask this of anybody coming to the show, um, outside of your excitement, can you recall what your first thought was when I asked you to come and I gave you the title, Abortion, Pro-Life, or Pro-Choice, Who's Right? Can you recall what your first thought was when, you, when I asked you to be a part of the show? Are you talking to me, Montoya, Starlina? Oh, no, I was actually to the I, I, I don't know if she... Oh, okay. <laughs> can, you, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Hello? Okay. okay. So um, I don't like to, to preface things as right or wrong um, because so this is so 
um, um, personal to a lot of people, and you know, perception is that person's reality. But for me, um, I just thought it was an opportunity to share thoughts on infringing on a person's personal choice and um, how we use religion in a country that doesn't have a sanctioned religion to force those beliefs onto other people unwillingly. And so that's what I, what I thought about it. So I, um, and a lot of there's so much misinformation um, that's being distributed on, on both sides of this equation, and you know how I am about data and being factual. So I felt that it was just an opportunity to really just lay down some facts um, about what really happens and about the direction we should be heading and why I feel that this is wrong for us as a nation to do. So those are my thoughts. No, no fair enough. Um, Sarah Lena, obviously, as we just mentioned to the, the audience, we switched it up on you. So once you once mm-hmm. you heard about the switch up, you know, I didn't ask you any of your thoughts. Um, so, you know, what, what, what's your first initial thoughts to this morning's discussion when you hear it specifically? Abortion, pro-choice, or pro-life, who's right? What is your initial thought? Well, well, like the sister, I didn't think, well, who's right or who's wrong. I didn't think it was a question of who's right or who's wrong. But you know me, I told you, I'm not pro-choice or pro-life. I'm pro-black. So initially I was thinking, okay, well, if we want to talk about this, I might as well bring my perspective in. And my perspective is that this really has nothing to do with what we think it has to do with. It's mostly about preserving the white race because a lot of white people are just not being born nowadays. And it was initially used, it was initially planned for something else, but it kind of backfired, and now white people aren't being born. So that's my take on it, and I can bring in my facts as well, and we can discuss that as the conversation goes on. But that's initially what I thought I wanted to bring that into the topic, because I have a feeling that that probably wouldn't be spoken of much if we have someone that's pro-choice and someone that's pro-life. It would probably mostly about women's rights. Um rather than preserving the white race and population control, which is what it has to do with mostly. Hey, fair enough. We bring it. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, Eric, yeah. not, that's what we'd like to do. We are a gumbo of opinions. We discuss it all Discuss it all when we say we like to have a conversation with America's afraid to have. Nothing goes untouched here. That's the beauty of what we do on the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are up against our first break, so we'll go to a short break, and we will get – deeper into this discussion as well as open up the phone lines. We have a lot of people on the line. Um, we will give instructions for how to get you on the show after this break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think. Be warned, we are not a politically correct show. So, again, free-flowing with the words that you hear. We open up with a little song uh, from J. Cole that makes reference to this morning's discussion. So, again, we are not a politically correct show. Uh, so, don't be offended. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Uh, baby girl, I can't imagine what it's like for you. I got you pregnant, now inside there is a life in you. I know you wonder if this is going to make me think my wife and you. Like if you had my first child, would I spend my whole life with you? Now I ain't trying to pick a fight with you, I'm trying to talk. Now I ain't trying to spend a night with you, I'm kind of lost. See, I've been giving this some thought lately, and frankly I'm feeling like we ain't ready in it. Hold up now, let me finish. Think about it, baby, me and you, we still kids ourselves. 
How he gon' raise a kid by himself? Handle biz by himself? A nigga barely over 20, where the hell we gon' live? Where am I gon' get that money? I refuse to bring my boy and my girl in this world when I ain't got shit to give them. And I'm not with the niggas who be knocking girls up and skate out. Girl, you gotta think about how the options wait. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases, and for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Sorry about that, everyone. I was working and trying to get my guest on, and I lost it. All right. All right. I think we're going to have to end up rocking this show with just the three of us. Can everybody hear me okay? Yes. I can. Latrice, I still got you. Yes, you do. Can you hear me? All right. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. That's kind of part of the problem sometimes. You have to be the producer and host of the show, so we're going to make this work out. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show again. This morning's discussion, abortion, pro-choice, or pro-life, who's right? Special guest co-host, Sarah Lena. Our special guest, going forward, Latrice Ross. And, again, play a little cut from J. Cole. I don't know if y'all familiar with uh, J. Cole or that song or whatever, but it's a, we'll play some other portions of it uh, throughout the show. And he particularly touched this topic in, the, in from a lot of perspectives. And, you know, starting with the, in a sense, the pro-life or pro-choice aspect of it, and definitely, we definitely want to get into the racial perspective, and you brought up, uh, in a sense, another opinion that has to be discussed, in my, I agree, has to be discussed, in, uh, you know, from a personal opinion, um, but and the reason this has become a hot topic is because we've seen this new wave of laws, right, this new wave of laws um, a few weeks ago or maybe maybe a couple months ago, I think it was the state of New York, they, in a sense, became less restrictive, and that was kind of a, a, a point of contention. And it, I don't know, in a sense, if it was a, this is what we're seeing now, the, the more restrictive version of laws that we're seeing, whether it's here in Georgia, Alabama, um, relatively throughout the South, state of Missouri, I think is another one that has actually made some laws to make it more restrictive. So we've seen, I think, only one state make it expansive, more expansive when it comes to the idea of abortion and the legality of it, and other states are now pushing to make it more restrictive, and I think we understand the, or a lot of us understand that this is a, there's a bigger picture to this, in a sense, to challenge Roe v. Wade from 73, in which the, at that time, the Supreme Court, by one vote, voted abortion to be legal up to a certain trimester, and basically what you're seeing is individual states back in that number back. 
and now the most recent and most restrictive has been the heartbeat um, laws, for example, here in Georgia saying that at the detection of a heartbeat, abortion, so still legal as via the Constitution federally, uh, but states choosing to make it more restrictive or more expansive based on the sentiment for their states. And so just wanted to kind of start with that backdrop uh, for for anybody who, in a sense, has been under a rock and didn't understand that this was attached to a much bigger push and why we're seeing it now. Um, so I kind of wanted to lay that context. And, Patrice, we'll start with you again. Um, just any perspective about what I've said? I think I've laid it out pretty clear, but that I missed the boat on just why we're seeing this right now. No, you're absolutely on point. Um, there is an opportunity um, with a, a majority of conservative judges on the Supreme Court to potentially overturn Roe versus Wade, and I believe that that's what um, this wave of of new um, legislation is all about um, because those enacting the legislation know that it's going to be um, challenged, and those challenges will ultimately wind up in the Supreme Court. Um, and they're hoping that at that time that Roe v. Wade will be overturned. Um, you're absolutely right. It's something that I hope does not happen um, for a number of reasons, but um, you're definitely on point with that. Sounds good. So, Sarah Lena, for you, um, I think you, and you've made an opinion, so we'll go ahead and jump into some of what you had to say from your perspective. For you, it's obvious that this discussion would be couched, in a sense, in that that manner, right? But based on turning Roe v. Wade and it being, I think from your perspective, I think it's fair to say, kind of limited to that area. And you're again mentioning that you think there's a, a complete bigger picture. And I, if I, am I, I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, but a bigger picture that you think has nothing to do with any of that context. Am I, am I going too far to say you think it has nothing to do with that? Or you're saying this, this, when it comes down to the, um, the race, the issue of race. And, you know, often when it comes to this country, people are always like, why do they fall back to race? Well, unfortunately, that's a thing, that's a sentiment that has long been a part of the American ideology to the extent that you, you especially us as African Americans, will always have to be keen and pay attention to see, is it related, how is it related, and I, again, I think that's where you're coming from, but I guess my specific question is, that argument or being a legal argument, do you think it has nothing to do with that? Or you're just saying, let's bring in this context because that's a big part of it, too, if that makes sense. Go ahead, please. Um, I, think it, I think it's a big part of it. Um, when I researched, because I got the YouTube video that was um, so watching, too. Hold on, Latrice. I was, and I'm not being clear, but I was actually asking Carolina <laughs> that. Okay. And I'm not, right. I'm not making myself clear. Yeah, because I've, I've, I've gotten both of you mixed up. Am I coming too clear this morning? Yeah. No, 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 no problem, no problem, no problem. <laughs> I'm just yeah, want to make sure, I, I um, sure y'all heard me correctly that I'm coming through clear. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I do believe that it is, to me, it's a bigger part, part of it. I feel that when it comes to race, a lot of people don't like to talk about it, but a lot of the things that go on when, it, when in terms of law 
um, a lot of it is rooted in racial issues that a lot of us just like to not, we want to avoid it because we don't want to, we don't want to believe that we live in a racist country where things are done to benefit the Caucasian male. But a lot of times that's who makes the laws mostly. That's who this country was founded, you know, if you want to say it like that, upon. So everything is mostly made to benefit the Caucasian male. Now, I do believe that they are doing this in a sense to control um, the population, um, but so yeah, when it comes to controlling women's bodies, of course they're trying to control the Caucasian women's bodies because the Caucasian women are just not reproducing enough children for them. You know, so I, I do believe that it is a large part of it um, when it comes to the laws. I, I think that they make the laws based on what's going to benefit them in the long run. Either way. Okay, fair enough. Let me give you uh, a study, I, just some information about a study I found and then the truth I'll let you, in a sense, respond to that. I just want to share it with you and you can come back on it after the truth speaks. Um, but I w- did find in preparing for this show, again, obviously this has been a, become a state-to-state issue, and I clearly, again, the goal is to go after the federal issue. But, again, as a state-to-state issue, what they have found surprisingly, in my, I'll say surprisingly, based on the aspect of this being sometimes put in the context or framed, in a sense, as a gender issue, what they have found is in the southern states that the women, white women specifically, and black women have actually been opposite on this issue as far as this coming up as a state issue. Because, again, I remember when it was voted, in a sense, voted on here in Georgia, and what they went back and looked at the, the actual who's voting for what, White women in the South have overwhelmingly actually been outvoting men, the white men, on this issue in favor of the restrictive, the more restrictive laws. So, in in that sense, it's the white women actually voting for this uh, per se. So that was just something that was kind of unique in my research. Uh, any thoughts on that, Latrice, or any other thoughts that you may have? Go ahead, Queen. Um, it, you said the South, it's the Bible Belt. So um, it's not surprising to me that, you know, women are, and when you look at churches, it's primarily it's the majority is women that attend church. So that that doesn't surprise me at all, um, not at all. Okay, yeah, so it's not surprising to you as well. Let me, actually, we got a caller that wants to get in. So anybody out there listening that wants to get in on this morning's discussion, give us your three cents. Please just press 1 if you're on the phone line. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. Let's go to the caller real quick. Area code 770-LAST-3377. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Yes, good morning. This is Isna, and good morning, Montoya, and to all your other um, hosts that are on the show. Good morning, sisters. Um, my my take on this is two parts. Um, I had written a quote, and it says, if politicians don't have the ability to choose who I date or don't date, post-accuse to the fullest extent those who molest or rape, then you should not have any say whether I choose to or not to co-create. I feel that um, it is a violation 
of anyone's right to choose what they do for um, do to their own bodies. I do. I am pro-life. But if that is the case, and you are really making the um, case, our brothers have heartbeats, our sisters have heartbeats, and they are alive, and they're shooting and killing with no weapons in their hands. So if you value life, and that's the whole purpose of you being pro-choice and pro-life, then I need you to consider the lives that you are taking that look like me. I, if this is really your issue, then, and I know it's not, but if you're, if you're going to go all the way across this board, I need for you to value the lives of my brothers and sisters just as much as you are valuing these babies that you're asking to be born by people who don't want them, and now you're telling them they have to. What is that really going to create in the end? So let me see if I'm understanding. I want to make sure I'm understanding you properly, because um, I was actually, um, again, as I was preparing for this show, I actually have a lot of Facebook responses that I want to bring to this morning's discussion. So I want to make sure I'm understanding you properly, Isma. So, again, I, I definitely respect the idea of bringing in context of our lives as African Americans. That I, I respect, but I think you said you're pro. I want to make sure I'm understanding you. Are you saying so? You're saying you are pro-life? I'm pro-life. Is that, is that the, I love it, life, but you do not get okay. to take my choice away as a woman. In the event that I am facing, or my daughters are facing, um, there's a lot of sex trafficking here in Atlanta. So, are you meaning to tell me that when these young girls who are being sex trafficked and getting um, um, impregnated or whatever the case may be, that you are going to force these young ladies or older women, for that matter, that have been um, ad- taken advantage of, and you're taking that right away from them? I'm not saying that's every case. We already know that's not the case. Some people do use abortion as a form of uh, birth control, but I'm not talking about that, that population. I'm talking about those who are being um, forced into sexual situations and buy a product, and I know someone personally right now who's in a situation like that, who is pregnant and is scared to death because of this law, because now there is a beating heart, but she didn't ask for what had happened to her either. <clears throat> okay, so, so if actually, you're going to be pro-life, be pro-life all the way. Right. Well, here it is. Now, for clarity purposes then the perspective you just gave me, you're actually pro-choice based on what I just heard. And, again, that's just the clarity of how pro-life and pro-choice is understood. Because for plenty of people who are pushing for this law, what they actually say is that they are pro-life. They actually use the argument that you're saying. Like, for example, one of the questions I saw on Facebook, and I'm, I'm actually, thank you for your three cents, and I just kind of want to see where my guests go with this. But one of the questions I saw on Facebook and it's similar to what Isma is saying, but again, just giving clarity on her position. They said, How can you be pro black and pro choice? Because just for your, just for clarity purposes, Isma, those who are mm-hmm. pushing for this law, they're, avid, they're, they're saying exactly what you're saying. Hey, let's be concerned with people's lives. All the way, all the way down to the fetus. So just to get, help you understand their perspective, they would agree with that. So just so that you know, based on but some understanding that you're that. actually pro-choice. 
Yeah, yeah. Let me, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it to the. I'm gonna t- I want to hear my guest perspective on it, but I was just okay. giving clarity yeah. that your position is actually a pro-choice position. Um, <laughs> if you're leaving, you know, just so that you, again, based on what those two terms mean. All right, go ahead. I'm going to go ahead. Before you, before you, go ahead. Please. What I'm saying is respect the life that's here already. What you don't do, not you, but what is not being done. So when I use the word pro-life. I'm, I'm talking, let's talk about the lives that are already here, that you're not at, um... Right, I understand, Queen, not, I understand um, you completely. I'm just telling you that, okay. uh, obviously, we don't have our guests that, to give that side of it, but I, I've okay. heard Shelly, for example, make the very same argument if to, you. that you're saying. And I'm just telling you that they do feel that way, that, hey, if you're going to fight for our current lives, then they're saying include these fetuses or babies or whatever you want to call it. They, so they're making the same argument that you're making. And, I don't, and again, I wish he was here to clarify that, but I'm just trying to, again, represent okay. the side because we don't have that yet. Gotcha. But I'm going to go ahead and let the um, guest speak on it as well. All right, Matisse, we'll start with you. Um, so um, she has a point um, about, um, I guess, um, appreciating life that is already here. But I don't think that that extends to a fetus. You know, we talk about heartbeat bills where a person can't get an abortion after six weeks or eight weeks. Well, organs aren't formed until 10 weeks. So, um, and, and, and at that point, it's a blob of, of cellular matter that isn't sustainable. So if it were to be removed from a woman's uterus, it would, it would, there was no, there's no life-sustaining organs that are, that are present. So that's first. They're, they're bucking science that says that there is no clearly definable um, thing that defines when personhood begins. So they're completely ignoring science to apply their religious doctrine to this. And in applying that religious doctrine, they are being so zealous that they are, are not even taking into account for children and women that are raped that are a part of, of sexual tra- um, trafficking or that for medical reasons um, can't sustain a pregnancy. And Rick Santorum, who is one of the most outspoken pro-life um, people, his wife had to have a life-saving abortion because had she continued with the pregnancy, she would have potentially died. So it's okay when my family needs it, but for the rest of you minions, it's not okay? Absolutely not. So let me say this, and I want to get Sarah, Sarah Lee's thought on this. So the, on the last point that you just made, and again, there may be people who are that zealous when it comes to this issue, but I would contend that generally speaking, again, I think the answer is always in the middle, quite often what I hear from pro-lifers is, in respect to the last thing that you just said, for the most part, again, this is coming up because either things are becoming more expansive more restrictive. What I think has been, to a certain extent, not all of them, but to a certain extent, life-saving, and even there are pro-lifers who respect even rape some, not all, but I'm just saying, so I'm just using, I just want to clarify, I thought someone was clarifying, I just want to make a point that there are a lot of pro-lifers who wouldn't, who wouldn't, in a sense, say that's the same thing when it comes to saving the, the, the um mother's life. And again, there are some who go as far as it, no matter what, have the baby, but there are plenty of pro-lifers 
we wouldn't use that as a scenario, just to throw it out there. But, Carolina, what is your thought on the question I saw on Facebook? Can you be pro-black and pro-choice, which I think isn't kind of brought to the table um, this morning. Any thoughts on that? We'll go to the next caller. I have so much to say on what I just heard. Well, for starters, it's very typical for those that are pro-choice to bring up rape and those who have health issues, but the, the, the statistics show that less than 0.5% of abortions are due to victims of rape, and less than 10% are due to people with health issues. Over 90% of abortions are due to people that are just irresponsible, and they're just having sex with people they shouldn't be having sex with at a time they shouldn't be. They're not mature enough. They can't afford it. That's the fact. Um, so people really like to bring in the worst-case scenario possible to make this case. Um, so that's one. Um, uh, the other sister did say something about, you know, make sure you care about all life, and I do. I care about all life as well. I do think that if you're going to go this hard on abortion, you should go that hard on drugs, crime, everything else. I agree 100% with that. I That's one of as a pro-black woman, I definitely feel like we should cherish black life in general. Um, Sister Latrice also mentioned something about, you know, the fetus or at what phase can we determine that this is a real person or something like that. Well, I feel like once you have a life growing inside of you and you stop it from growing, that is killing it. Once you abort it, you stop it. That's, if I plant a seed in the ground and the roots start growing, but then I take and I pull the roots out, I just killed it. I stopped it from growing. It was a life growing, and you stopped it from growing. Regardless at what phase you stopped it, you stopped it. You killed it. So that's what I think about that. Now, as, as far as sisters that are victims of rape, um, as a mentor, I do deal with a lot of teenagers because I, I am a victim. I, I'm a survivor of rape. And so as a mentor, I do um, there are a lot of young girls, teenagers that have issues that they are not um, comfortable with talking to their parents about, so they'll come to me. And not too long ago, about a couple of months ago, there was a young a young sister. She was a teenager. She had gone to a party. She would gotten drunk, and she said she wanted to have sex with a boy. And he, once she started, she decided she didn't want to anymore, and he did not stop. And so she called me to let me know, and I immediately took her to the hospital where she could get checked out, where she could get her contraceptives, she can get her Plan B pills, and she could also file that police report. And I think that if, and then I think that if this is an issue, if we're going to be talking about rape and stuff, even though again it's less than 0.5 percent, we need to make sure that we are being role models to young girls and making sure that we have something set into place so that they don't have to go up to six weeks, you know, pregnant. You know, they can get t- that taken care of immediately and get the therapy and everything else that they need. Immediately, you know. So, wow. So, that's no, that's that's some, yeah, amazing points by everybody. Uh, amazing points for everybody. We are actually up against a break, so this break is going to be a, a synopsis of every again why we're seeing this again. We'll get some thoughts on that. We'll get to the cause, and we're going to definitely take this into a different direction. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think. Does a really good job of protecting the most vulnerable members of our human family. We are going to be shouting from the rooftops that abortion is still safe, legal, and accessible. Abortion is back on the agenda in America, and it's got both sides energized. How have abortion laws changed in 2019? In May, Alabama approved a near outright abortion ban, including in cases of rape or incest. 
and seven other states have passed heartbeat bills, which ban abortion as soon as a heartbeat can be detected. So far this year, more than 20 other states have introduced or proposed some form of restriction on abortion. There is a heartbeat. This is a thriving, growing human person, and so we need to acknowledge that and protect that life as well. I work as an abortion clinic escort in Huntsville, Alabama, and what we've seen is since this, these heartbeat bills and this legislation has started being passed across the United States, we've seen the activism and the threats um, from the anti-choice movement on the sidewalk ramp up. What's the strategy? This is part of a comprehensive and rather clever campaign by pro-life advocates. They have passed laws of different types in different states. Good evening. In a landmark ruling, the Supreme Court today legalized abortions. The aim is to challenge Roe v. Wade, the 1973 ruling by the U.S. Supreme Court that legalized abortion. The procedure has been allowed only until viability, that is, the point at which a fetus is able to live outside the womb, generally between 24 and 28 weeks. In recent years, some states have tried to ban abortions in the second trimester, that's before viability. The heartbeat bills passed in 2019 would prohibit abortions around the six-week mark, before most women even know they're pregnant. And the Alabama law now goes to the very beginning of a pregnancy, effectively banning abortion from just days after conception. This one's different because it is a frontal attack on Roe v. Wade. It is clearly unconstitutional under the Supreme Court precedent. So, will abortion be banned? Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. President Trump appointed two strongly anti-abortion justices to the Supreme Court, giving conservatives a five to four majority. But it's likely to be Chief Justice John Roberts who decides whether to take up the Alabama case. So the concern for pro-choice advocates in the country really is twofold. This is a direct assault, but it may not be the most serious threat. John Roberts could reject this, could even block it from being heard, but they could still grant review in these collateral attacks, chipping away, making it more difficult to get an abortion in various states. Roberts could very well sign off on that. That would not make abortion illegal everywhere. It would leave it up to each state to decide when and how a woman could get an abortion. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Sarah Lena. Special guest in the line with <laughs> this morning is Latrice Ross for this morning's discussion. Abortion, pro-choice, or pro-life, who's right? got several callers that want to get in. Based on where the conversation has went, I'm going to jump this other Facebook post up into this because I think it has to be part of this discussion, and then we'll get to a We'll start going off our callers uh, pretty early, but I want to hear uh, both of your thoughts to this because y'all brought up something that I saw another friend of mine who's been actually been on the show. She put out, and I thought it was perfect, again, to push the envelope to ask the right questions so that we can get to the right answers. So her perspective is this. She says, um, she says, going down my timeline, I see a discussion about abortion. The argument has been made that it should be allowed in rape cases. Uh, my personal stance on abortion aside, I find it interesting that the view on the child varies depending on whether or not the mother wants it. If the pregnancy was planned or wanted, the cluster of cells is a sweet, precious baby. 
If the pregnancy was not planned or wanted, the same cluster is a fetus. If the pregnancy was planned or wanted, the thought of the pregnancy not going full term would be the most devastating news for the, for the mother. She would find no solace in hearing that it wasn't a baby yet, no matter if she was two weeks in, two months in, or two trimesters in. If the pregnancy was planned or wanted, a crime resulting in the baby's death would be considered murder. So I think um, this, these questions and what she's saying, again, have to be part of our dialogue. And in reference to what she just said, um, just again, you heard the quote, not the quote, but you heard the cut, talking about this being reduced down to a state issue. So when I hear my friend point out, hey, just here's perspective based on whether the mother wants it versus whether the mother don't want do not does not want the child or the father, whoever the case may be, then you see that the the life inside you is treated very differently based on desire to have the baby or not. In reference to how states see it, it varies. So for example, I pulled out the Georgia law because remember the truth I mentioned this to you when I asked you know, when we talked about this just very briefly, the idea of um the idea of a double homicide if you end up killing a mother that's pregnant. Sometimes people are convicted of a double homicide. So here in Georgia, I wanted to kind of share the, legal, the actual code when it comes to what's known as feticide, in other words, killing a child inside a womb, versus how Idaho looks at it. And it varies state to state. And, again, I want to get y'all thoughts on it, and then we'll go to the college. So, for example, in the Georgia code, they define feticide as a person commits the offense of feticide if he or she willing, willfully kills an unborn child so far developed as to be ordinary, ordinarily called quick by causing an injury to the mother of such child. So it didn't even have to, in a sense, you could just kill the baby inside and not the mother, just injure her and the baby. And they say that the penalty for feticide is imprisonment for life. And it says... They, they define the term unborn child to mean, to mean a member of the species Homo sapiens at any stage of development who is carried in the womb. So in Georgia, regardless of how far along, you could, if, you, if they know that this woman is pregnant, you can receive a imprisonment for life if you kill the growing fetus, growing baby, whatever you want to reference. That's how it's looked at from a legal standpoint in Georgia. Idaho says this. Just again, I just want to show you how different states handle it. The plan that murder includes the unlawful killing of a human embryo or fetus under certain conditions. The law provides that manslaughter includes the unlawful killing of a human embryo or fetus without malice. The law defines embryo or fetus as a human in utero. These laws do not apply to conduct relating to an abortion for which the consent of the pregnant woman or person authorized by law to act on her behalf has been obtained or for which such consent is implied by law or to any person for any medical treatment of the pregnant woman or her embryo or fetus. Idaho clearly separates it. Georgia does not. And you make all of what I just said basic. In general, if you harm a pregnant woman, if she's known to be pregnant, the community, society in general, is typically not alarmed if that person who harmed her gets a longer sentence or, as Georgia says, life imprisonment. There's usually no concern. So let's decide it from that perspective of how someone sees life. Again, this is not me 
this is the laws clearly writing it. And so I want to kind of hear, you know, just a discussion from that standpoint, and then we're going to all the callers. Go ahead, Latrice. Well, you know, what are your thoughts on hearing all of that context to how life is looked at when a mother has been injured versus making a choice herself? Go ahead. It's, it's, so there are a couple of things here. First, um, it depends on who's making the laws, as you stated, and how they make those laws. Was it Idaho that you mentioned? They used science to make mm-hmm. their decision. Um, Georgia and many other states use emotions and feelings, and that's one of the things that, that Lena stated that she thought or she felt about personhood. Um, I'm, I'm a science person. I'm a logical, analytical person, so I really don't get into the thoughts and feelings and emotions very often. It's about what the data says. And so um, the, the second aspect of that is if a woman was pregnant and she intended to carry that baby to term and she was injured or the fetus was injured, then, okay, there should be, you know, there may be, um, there's a feeling there that because her plan was to bring that, that pregnancy to term and deliver a baby, that there is, is, that was caused harm. So as a result, then that person who caused that injury to her should pay for it. I think this just shows the difficulty and the confusion that goes along with this issue. But one of the things that is important to me, because not only am I I'm pro-black as well, Lena, but I'm also pro, pro-woman, um, is that when we talk about personhood and defining it um, and, and, and the choice to make decisions and have control over your body, um, when, we make, when we take those decisions away from women, we're actually saying that they're less of an actual person in the eyes of the law than, than they really are. So when we say that um, we're going to take this right away from you, we're going to take this choice away from you because personhood, X, Y, Z, A, B, C, then we're saying that, woman, you go over to the corner because clearly you're not equipped to make the best decision for you in your life. So in a sense, we're saying that while we say this fetus has a right to be here and, and has, you know, that deal with the personhood, but as a woman who has the, the forethought to make those decisions for her, by taking that right away from her, we're saying that you're less of a person than men are, in my opinion. All right, let me say this. We actually have to get the break, so I'm going to say this very quickly. Go to break, and we'll come out of the break with Sarah Lena in the next segment. We'll be all callers. Uh, what I will say is slight pushback on at least how I'm looking at the Idaho and Georgia law. I don't see them separating it via science. I just saw Idaho give consideration for abortion because even in their defining of embryo or fetus, again, somebody would receive penalties if they kill that fetus per se, but what Idaho said in the event of the consent of that woman choosing to have an abortion, that's when it is allowable. Allowable. I'm sorry, I'm having trouble with my words this morning. So I didn't see them separated via science. I just saw them respecting the federal law that allows for abortion. And you can give your thoughts coming out of break. And listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think we'll be right back. Business Entertainment brings you their latest hit, I Really Want You, by Taylor Pace. Take a listen. I really want, I really want you, but I can't have you. 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Friday TV, along with special guest co-host Berlina and special guest for this morning's discussion, abortion, pro-choice or pro-life, who's right, Patrice Ross, a woman's advocate. Um, Berlina, I wanted you to get your thoughts on real quick before we go to the college for the rest of the um, segment. Uh, any thoughts to, again, what we were just talking about, how different states see it um, in reference to a woman being harmed versus choosing for the abortion. Go ahead, Queen. Yeah, I think this, this is very interesting um, how the different states, you know, how they view life. But I would like to respond to what the sister just said, though, about um, <laughs> what the sister just said about basically saying a woman is not capable of making choices of her own. And this might be um, offensive to some people, but, you know, it's, it is what it is. Um, I think it's very ironic that it's called pro-choice because, of the abortions are due to people not making really great choices initially. Again, they would not have to get abortions if they made better choices when it came to their body. I feel like if this is about empowering women, we should, instead of encouraging sisters to get abortions, we should encourage sisters to make better choices, to be more responsible with whom they sleep with, have a little bit more self-respect, more self-love for themselves and to be accountable and responsible when it comes to their body. We won't be really concerned with someone trying to control our bodies if we control them ourselves. So, well, fair enough, Doctor. Like I'm pretty sure you want to respond, but I got I got I got callers that have been waiting, so we're going to make, you got to get through this thing okay. and make it work. We'll definitely give you a shot at it. Let me get to these callers. All right, here we go. We got area code 425, last three, 875. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hello, caller. You Hello, can you hear me? Hello? Yes, you're coming through loud and clear. Yes, give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Oh, great. My name is um, Sharon, and I am calling from Washington. And I am pro-life. And I think that there's a lot, there's a lot going on when it comes to abortion. I mean, it's, it covers so many things, and I don't think a lot of people know how much it does um, hurt, I think, the us as African Americans. I think that it was specifically targeted, if you look at some of the words uh, said by Margaret Sanger a long time before she died, how she did not want, um, you know, I mean, one of her quotes was, we do not want the Negro to go out and find out that we want to eliminate them. And so that's kind of, I mean, I don't understand how Planned Parenthood is placed so closely to many black neighborhoods. I don't understand how how we can say that it's not something that is designed, especially in New York, I believe it was. Uh, There were more black babies in 2015 that were aborted than were born. 
I don't know if you remember when I was growing up in school, in high school in the 80s, uh, there at one point we were saying that the black population would be more than the white population. If we are aborting our children um, based on our population numbers and based on theirs, that is not going to happen. So it crosses to me abortion a lot of different areas. It's more than just the individual person. It involves our community, it involves our families. So, I mean, there's a lot to think about. When no, I think you bring a think Sherry, I think you bring a very fair thought. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think you bring a very fair thought, and I think we need to explore it. I do have some other callers, um, but we're going to explore what you're talking about before I get to the other callers. But thank you for your three cents this morning. All right, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we definitely have to talk about that again. We have the hard conversations about race and sex when it comes to this show, and so I think um, Sarah has already offered it as part of this discussion, but again, another caller brings it up. And, for example, Planned Parenthood. I think that we cannot have this conversation without, as she just mentioned, the Margaret Singer quote, quote or whatever, and understanding, in a sense, historically what was behind that organization. And what I think happens quite often with organizations that have certain histories, I think when they continue to exist and they have a long history and when they continue to exist in today's time, I think due to partly due to political correctness, quite often they sanitize their message. But in my personal opinion, I will say I don't think they will ever get away from their true history, but it's harder to suspect currently with sanitized messages and them being aware of how that messaging would not be favorable in 2019. I'm pretty sure at that time, based on the racial history of this country, she could South Margaret could easily say that and it not having a national effect. If somebody from Planned Parenthood were saying that right now, then clearly the, all the media would say shut them down or whatever. So even when people fight against Planned Parenthood today it's never in the context of race for the most part in the public media. So then I'm going to let you talk about that first and I would definitely want to hear Latricia's thought before we go to the next caller. Absolutely. Uh, Margaret Sanger was a racist woman that founded the Planned Parenthood. It was formerly known as the Negro Project. And aside from the quote that that sister just made, another famous quote of hers is, colored people are like human weeds that need to be exterminated. And so the Planned Parenthood was initially created and founded to exterminate black people, to control the population, because, again, we as black people, we, we create a lot of life because we are supposed to. We are the original people. And the white people, they're afraid because a lot, not enough of them are being born. And so that is one of the reasons why they have concentrated these Planned Parenthood clinics in urban areas and in those communities in order to keep black people from having children as much as they most possibly can. It's just one of the many forms of population control. There are many different things they do to try to keep us from creating life, but this is one of them. And so the fact that a lot of sisters really go so hard when it comes to this, I don't I don't know if sisters are unaware of the history of Planned Parenthood or if they just don't care that it was created to keep black people from being born, but that's what it's for. And so... Again, like I said, it has backfired. Let me let, me, yeah, let, me let, yeah. you, let me let you jump in right there. Yeah, let me let you jump in right there. Okay. This is a perfect point. The, one thing I'll say about your last, the last thing, I'll say that the messaging that Planned Parenthood is definitely sanitized and promoted in a way that I think that's why you see a lot of sisters 
going for because the messaging is not related to that history at all. So, again, when people get marketed a certain way, and, again, I'm not saying which side I'm on, I'm just saying the marketing is definitely effective to say, hey, here's the numbers for how we've helped these communities, that, for example, who don't have access to birth control and things of these nature. And I think those are fair points, but that's the why they go so hard, in my personal opinion, because of the marketing. Go ahead, Patrice. So, first of all, 60% of Planned Parenthood offices are in majority white neighborhoods to start. Um, and only 3% of um, Planned Parenthood only ha- only funds 3% of abortions. Um, so, and there is a lot, and I've heard the racist quotes, and then I've read books that put them in a different context. So, as, as many things that happen, some things um, are taken out of context. Um, with regard to Planned Parenthood, um, a lot of what they do is, um, 42% of what they do is STD detection. 34% is contraception. 9% is cancer screening, which we know black women um, are more likely to succumb to cancer than, other, than, than white women. 3% are abortion services. So we need to really be mindful of the true facts um, when quoting this. And, and most every um, institution in this country that started during those um, the civil rights time has some type of um, implication when it comes to holding black people down or exterminating black people, if you want to use those terms, or holding black people back. So we can say that as time evolves, so do these institutions. We have to always be mindful and watchful to ensure that what they're doing does not infringe on our rights as a people and that they're not doing things to undermine us as a people. But, you know, we have to be honest with the data as well because they're not the majority right. of them yeah, are no, not. Fair enough. That's what we do. Yeah, exactly. No, absolutely. Fair and so when you know, look and at those, that's, quotes, that's real life. Yeah, yeah, right. those are real life numbers. Those quotes, like the numbers we have to bring to look in, at, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's no, 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 you're absolutely right. I, wanna get to, I wanna try to get to a caller. No, no, no problem. I'm trying to get to a caller for okay. the top of the okay. hour. Um, yeah, but what I'll say, yeah, what I'll do, you know, again, Brooke, thanks for bringing that context because even if, let's say even if that, what we're saying, the spirit of it is still there, the reality is they're not affecting this area that we're, in a sense, talking about as much, even if that is their reality at 3% of all abortions. Again, it, it might not, if that is what they're doing, it doesn't make it okay, but you're just saying, hey, the numbers point to it's not effective enough to be a part of this discussion. So I think it's a, I think it's a very fair thought. All right, let me get Brother Pianchi on. He's up next. Brother Pianchi, you got a couple of minutes for the top of the hour. Go ahead and get it in, King. I got a lot of you know, uh, Keep it quick this morning. Well, actually, it's both. One, you have a law. Then you have uh, a federal law. Then you have what's been associated with public opinion to become state laws. And I think state laws should ultimately be the determining factor. They do it with your ability to vote. You know, they have this franchise, but black population been decimated. I mean, if you if pro choice, pro life, pro black, so on and so on. But I question those things. Uh, I hear people telling women that they black women they shouldn't bleach their skin, should not use perms or extension. Uh, you the, the white women that go to get a tan, they are penalized with a tax that's on the tanning parlor. Big gulp tax. So 
How about if you want to have assisted suicide? Should you be able to? And that heartbeat in the womb is appreciated, but once it's born, it's protected by civil rights and the Constitution that protects the civil rights. So it's a lot of things that's at, you know, to be discussed here. Uh, if you pro-black, like I said, 19 million babies since 1973, and we talk about whites uh, putting these laws in effect. It's actually 59 million. No, I'm talking about just the black population. I'm not talking about all total. Oh, okay, it's just total. Okay, my fault. Okay, in Mississippi, the, in Mississippi, Mississippi, the abortion rate with black women is 78 percent. In Alabama, it's 60 percent. Now, if people want to abort their baby, I mean, that's up to them. I mean, it's the law they can. Then you got this other scheme about Planned Parenthood International, where the government, and especially during the last administration and her, his Secretary of State, will wave a carrot in front of a certain African countries and say, if you want this carrot, which is aid, you got to open up your society to abortion on demand and also some other things. But getting back to your question, both of them right. Pro-choice is right because you have a law, a national law. Then those who are for pro-life, they're right too because you see them act that out at state levels where they're putting stipulations on how it should be done. Yep, well, that might change federally one day, but thanks a lot for your three cents, King. You are at the top of the hour. Appreciate you. For everybody else on the line, we'll get to you coming out of the break. Thank you all for being with us. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, special guest co-host, Sarah Lee, and our special guest, Latrice Ross, for this morning's discussion, abortion, pro-choice, or pro-life. That's the call if they want to get in. If you want to get in, you have to press 1 to let us know that you want to speak. You have to press 1 to let us know that you want to speak. Let's go to another caller. Brother Jay, what's up, King? What you got for us this morning? Who's, is that me? Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you live. We got you live on the air. I don't know. Might have a bad connection. Can you hear me? All right, let's get another call up. You know, you're going to be tired. All right, let's get you. I'm going to give you one last shot. I'm going to go to the next caller. Are you there? Is that me? Let's go to the next caller. You are live on the air, brother. If you'll go ahead and speak, I think you keep asking as I'm going to the next caller. I'm trying to get you in. Okay, if that's me, uh, right. let me talk. I'll yes, talk, you're right? live. Yeah. You are live. Can you hear me? Okay, I can hear you now. All right, go okay, ahead. Okay, so, so, so basically, I, well, I'm, just, I'm going to tell you like this. <clears throat> I hope some, I hope we can consider this piece here. You know, the whole abortion. The idea or the question of abortion itself, you know, where does this so-called procedure come from? And why is it available? Why is it so-called a choice? You know, 
And when you do the history of it, obviously you see that there were several attempts in different societies, ancient societies, to uh, utilize abortion as a, as a, you know, it was weaponized, such as it is today. I mean, really, it was weaponized. So it's not always been, and even if you go back to Egypt, I know, you know, black folk, we like to think everything that happened in ancient Egypt was so-called to our advantage or good for, for, for humanity or people in general, and it wasn't. It's still, no matter how you slice it, historically or currently, <clears throat> it's still a matter of taking life. No matter how you try to skirt around it, it's always going to come back to some medical person going into a woman and destroying the fruit of her womb. You don't have to get into the, the whole debate about should she have a choice when you're on this end of the, of the discussion, when you first just talk about why is it even a choice, why is it so-called medical procedure, you have to deal with that. Why would some nut or somebody want to weaponize going into a woman's womb, whether it be to hold a class struggle, whether it be to hold or to protect a king or a queen or whatever, or to protect the seed of a prominent person in society or as it's used today as a contraceptive, you know, to prevent embarrassment for religious purposes and on down the line. So that's number one. That's where I would hope that some discussion would be had, in, you know, thorough discussion would be had at some point. But then... Let me do this, King, because I got a lot of callers. What I'm going to do is... I am going to explore some of what you talked about with. Well, with well I'll be brief. Let me tell you about this because I know you got to move on. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Just to back up what has already been said, it's, um, the way it's used for us today is an exception to the rule when we talk about incest and rape. One of the sisters said, so that should be off the table. And lastly, we want to make sure that we understand that the statistics for black women are significantly higher whether it's done at Planned Parenthood or any other facility, black women and black people are losing our babies due to this wicked process. I'll just leave it there. Nah, fair enough. I, yeah, we'll explore some of what you had to talk about. You said, you said your name was Sean. Did I hear your name correctly, Sean? No, no, I didn't say my name. Okay, my bad. No problem, King. You know, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, let's, let's explore. Let me say this to you while I have you on the line before I go to my guest. Um, what I will say is I definitely agree with the concept of something such as abortion being weaponized throughout the world, throughout history. We see all type of attempts to weaponize all type of things politically within different countries. I would say when you say go back to the beginning, the medical procedure, um, to a certain extent, actually just comes from humans deciding they don't want their babies for whatever reason and you think about the early, early human conception and how they think, then they were literally was just finding out that some women, for whatever reason, were aborting their ba- babies all kind of unhealthy ways. And so certain societies came up with, again, the medical field came up with ways to do it in a healthy manner. Because when you look at the history of this, again, because you said, look there, when you look at the history of this, it was it was happening, maybe not to the degree, and now that it's a medical procedure that's, you know, in a sense, relatively easy. I'm not saying it's an easy decision, but now maybe you see people just kind of say, oh, I'm going to choose to do that. But it came from just 
women and men, whatever, maybe the husband or maybe the significant other decided not to, and they were doing it themselves in an unhealthy way. And so that's a, that is one of the concerns just to put out there for getting more restrictive when you see unhealthy methods come back to the table when it becomes unallowable. So that is a concern. But I just wanted to kind of throw out, you know, that point of the history. I think that's something that is um, valid to bring up, and I want to hear what my callers have to think about your points. But thanks a lot, King, for um, getting in on the conversation. Um, Latrice, I'll let you kind of come back with um, the thoughts from the caller. Go ahead. Um. There, there's always when you deal with black people in this country, there's always a potential for things to be weaponized against us. And as someone who's pro-black, I, I see that, I research that, and I know that it happens. But we also need to look at, you know, he brought up about the number of, of 36% of abortions in this country are on black women. And to, the fact that black people are 13% of the population, that is a high number. But I ask that we dig deeper into why that number of, of women black women are having the procedure done? Is it because they don't have access to health care? Is it because they don't have affordable access to birth control? Is it because they don't have support or the financial means to, to sustain, um, take care of a child? When we talk about a woman making a bad decision, laying down with someone that she shouldn't, um, who are we to say that she laid down with someone that she shouldn't? A number of people that I know may have been in committed relationships, but because of various situations in their lives, they may have made the decision to have an abortion. Those kinds of statements reek in judgment, first of all. Secondly, I don't call the politicians who are making these laws pro-life at all, because I call them pro-fetus, because their support ends at the birth of that child, because particularly this current administration, they're removing the safety net that might potentially help people who are born into poverty-stricken situations. They are weakening um, the, the amount of funds that are directed to affordable housing, nutritional um, support, educational support. So they're not pro-life at all. They're pro-fetus. They want to control what the woman does with her body, but once that baby's brought here into this world, then we relinquish any type of support at all. So he has a point about weaponizing abortion. Yes, black women do have a tremendous amount of abortion, but I ask that we dig deeper into why that happens and not just what they're doing, but why they're doing it. Yeah, I think we, I think we definitely have to dig deeper. And let me add up some of my opinion, more of my opinion in this discussion at this point. Again, I'm just trying to moderate the different opinions that are being brought to the table. I personally... And I want to definitely hear what you think of this, Carolina. I personally, I personally do not like that the concept of the responsibility aspect, and and, and I like some of what Carolina had to say about the choices that are made prior to an abortion. Uh, that 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 is again, generally speaking, a big part of the reason we see a high number. Of, we ask that question: Why are they doing it? And yes, those things come into effect, you know, not having access to birth control and, and the conditions that create the more likelihood, when I was looking at the numbers, just in general, um, the numbers for, in a sense, the number of poor who get abortion, that, you know, that number is significant in the overall number. And unfortunately, the reality, um, that aspect hits our community at a higher ratio, so it kind of falls in line with that may be part of the why 
But the why before that is what Carolina talked about is the choices that are made prior to that. What I personally dislike is that that personal choice is, in a sense, thrusted on the woman alone. And, and again, I, I again we keep talking about a woman's body and a woman's perspective. I've always felt like that responsibility comes to us as men in making that choice as well. Obviously, she carries it, so there seems to be, a, in a sense, there's more burden on the on the you know the woman from that perspective. But if we're gonna make it a personal choice. My personal opinion is that choice should be between that woman and that man. One part that I don't agree with, even in the current state, before all these laws, in a sense, started getting um, pushed to restrict it more, is to a certain extent the man involved is often not included. Now, I'm not saying that's easy to do, but in my opinion, if we were going to reduce it down to a choice, it should be between those two people. I don't know how I feel about the government's involvement in the choice of those two people, but the currently the way it's constituted, the man, in my opinion, does not get an, a choice in it when it comes to the actual abortion, but I don't like, I'm saying a lot here, but I don't like that the owner is only on the woman in that choice prior to pregnancy, if that makes sense. That's a responsibility for all of us and the last thing I'll say is, you know, when he gets up, is the unfortunate part about that personal responsibility that you're talking about, we have science throughout the history of human mankind that, for example, if we want to even show throughout Africa, and I'm not saying you're saying that, but I'm just talking about that personal responsibility has never proven to affect these numbers. So as much as people would like to push for it, we have to be realistic in the sense that that alone will not be a big factor in this and based on reality. Any thoughts on that? All every you know, a little bit of all of what I said. I know I said a lot, but just want to hear your thoughts on all of that context. Well I definitely feel like it's a when it comes to responsibility, both men and women should definitely be more responsible with whom they sleep with. I don't feel like people should be out here having sex with people if they know that they are not financially equipped to care for a child. Especially if you're gonna have sex, at least be safe about it. That's one of the things when it comes to choices, at least Protect yourself. I know a lot of women that are that are grow up in poverty and they have free access to Medicaid and they get birth control for free. So I'm not exactly sure when when it comes to maybe the sister can clarify for me because I'm maybe I'm a little bit confused when it comes to that. What you know, being able to afford birth control. I think where I'm from, I know most women get their birth control for free because they can't afford it. Um, but as far as making choices and responsibility, I definitely think both the man and woman should be responsible. However, I will add, though, if a child is born due to two irresponsible people, it's a good chance that the, the man at some point could possibly go to jail where the woman would end up with housing and Medicaid and food stamps and all that good stuff. So it's like I feel like at the end of the day we can't blame the woman because he's in jail for this. We can't blame both of them, and we can't blame the the man because a woman has to raise a child for by herself, it's, it's both their fault because both of them were irresponsible. So I definitely don't feel like it should all be put on the woman. Both should be responsible. I think we as a people need to work on that in general. We need to work on waiting until we are equipped. I think that we are too sexually active as black people, period. 
we need to be focusing on more than just having sex, you know, and I think that's unfortunate that that's the way it is. But that just shows, like, instead of us encouraging people, yeah, just go ahead and have sex with whoever you want to, and then you can just abort it. We should just we should empower our people and encourage our people to have goals in life so that they won't be focusing on doing anything but just going around having sex and being more conscious with whom and more selective with whom they sleep with, making sure they are ready to do it, you know, financially. Yeah, I love the messaging. You know, we definitely push and encourage strong black families. I think a lot of what you're saying will help with that. Absolutely. We are up against this break. Yeah, we are up against this break. So what we're going to do is go to this break. When we come out, we're going to go all callers. I'm going to shut up, and I'm just going to let Sarah and Latrice respond to the callers for the next segment. Let me get this break in right here. We have a new sponsor. So I'm always appreciative of people that are supporting Intelligent Radio. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you pick. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales. His no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, along with guest co-host, Sarah Lena. Lively discussion this morning on abortion, pro-choice, and pro-right, who's right, our special guest, Trish Ross, women's advocate. Let's go to a caller. Area code 804-3177. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Amir, I'm calling from Richmond, Virginia. How you doing, King? What you got for us? I'm doing great. How about yourself, brother? Doing good, King. Go ahead. I just got a quick question, actually, um, and I don't want to mispronounce the sister's name. I don't know if it's Latrice or Patrice, but... Um, Latrice, with an L, you said it correctly. I'm sorry, Patrice? Yes. Latrice, yes, with an L. You said it correctly the first time. Latrice. Oh, with the L, with the L. Latrice, sister Latrice. I just had a quick question for you because um, when some of the quotes that um, Margaret Sanger, uh, you know, she's been quoted as saying these things as far as colored people are like human weeds and need to be exterminated, and then also, we do not want the word to get out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. Uh, I recall you saying that these things were taken out of context, and I'm very interested to hear in which way are we taking those, which seem like very direct quotes, out of context. Um, well, the, the one quote about, um, I read a book a couple of um, years ago, and the one quote about, I'm exterminating black people. That that quote was, I'm, I'm looking for it now. Um, but it was taking out of, it was saying, it, she was saying that she did not mm-hmm. want her organization to be perceived as doing that. And we know, we, we've seen how people can take parts of what a person says and it means something entirely different. Now, when I, and, I, and I've, I've been doing extensive research as to whether or not, you know, her, her level of racism, whether she was racist, whether she wasn't, and, and, and quite honestly, she has a very complicated history when it comes to racism. 
um, if you share your, your email address with, with Montoya through his website or whatever, when I get that quote, I will find in, in the book that I read it, I will share it with you. But there are a lot of, a lot of times we look at things that people allegedly said, and when we, when we read the full context, for instance, the paper that she wrote where this, this um, quote was removed, it was stating that she didn't want her organization to be, be perceived as doing just that. And I forgot the book, but I will go back and find it. And one thing that I wanted to also state that, as a matter of fact, in 1966, um, Martin Luther King Jr. actually stated that what her organization was was anything but inhumane. So I think that a lot of times we we get on the bandwagon and begin to say, oh, this happened, this happened, this happened. But I'm one of those people. I want to know why it happened or what prompted someone to say that. Let me let a mirror. Get back in now. If, you're making it up there. I'll definitely, and you know, and then, yeah, go ahead, Lemire. I'm, I'm gonna jump back in. Real if quick. I could just respond to that. Um, now I understand what yeah, you're yeah, saying. Go ahead. Oftentimes, go ahead. we can oftentimes take quotes out of context, but it doesn't tell. I mean, it's kind of common sense that if a, if a, if a woman says that's the lead of an organization that we don't want the word to get out, right, to exterminate the Negro population. But she also says colored people are like human weeds and need to be exterminated. It is not very hard to see how, similar to maybe a J. Edgar Hoover, who would not want the message of to uh, eliminate the rise of a black messiah to get out as it would have a negative effect on what he's doing. So just because a person says we don't want the word to get out, it's like a drug dealer saying I don't want to get the word, the word to get out that I'm selling pounds out of the trap house. You understand what I'm saying? Because her other direct quote said specifically that colored people are like human weeds and need to be exterminated. So it would make great sense that she didn't want the word to get out, but not because that uh, is not her sentiment as far as how she views colored people. So that hey, was strong. Let me do this real quick, Latrice. I know you want to respond. I just want to throw something out because I want to get to other callers too, and I'll, de- I'll still let you respond. I wanted to ask Amir just a quick question in reference to in a sense, whether we're able to figure this out on this spot and we possibly won't be, but I think, you know, again, I think you're bringing back a, a viable question in return to Latrice. What's your thought of the reality of the numbers when it comes to Planned Parenthood? And, again, I'm glad you're bringing these questions, but it was eye-opening for me to recall, and I, I had heard that number before as well, Latrice, but when it comes to Planned Parenthood specifically, uh, what's your thoughts on if they're only minimally involved in the overall idea of Abortion. I want to kind of hear that bigger picture thought from you, and I'll let Latrice respond to you real quick. King, what's your thoughts? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just want to make sure I understand the question. What is my thought in regards well, the big to Planned picture Planned is Planned Parenthood? Planned Parenthood does not get involved in a lot of abortions. That's their, they're, they're actually 3% of all abortions. So when they're a low number, what is your thought mm-hmm. focusing on them and Margaret Senior's perspective, finding out mm-hmm. that their organization doesn't do a lot of abortions? I'm kind of saying a big picture look. How do, how do, what do you think of that big picture look that actually Planned Parenthood is not highly involved in abortion based on the numbers? What are your thoughts, big picture-wise? Well, I mean, I, mean I, I would say that that's something that I would have to research a little deeper because just because an entity isn't hands-on as far as doing the procedure itself does not mean that they don't have a hand within how the system and the procedure goes. Okay. So that's something that you know, I don't like to speak on things that I'm not thoroughly researched on. The only reason I brought up Margaret Singer is because as I was listening, I heard the quotes, and then I also heard the sister say that they were taken out of context. So I just really wanted to get clarity. No, from my own no, 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 I got you. I, no, mm-hmm. I got you. No, no, I'm going to let her respond to you. Sorry to kind of jump in. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to hear your big picture thoughts. Go ahead and respond to Amir real quick. All right. So with regard to the quote about weeds, 
Um, there's a scanned copy of an April 1933 birth control review that's available online. And Sanger was neither credited as the author or any of its contents. Um, her name was not mentioned in the article at the time. The closest quotation to the one cited in the meme actually turns up, it came up in an April 8, 1923 New York Times article that's attributed to Sanger where she said, I was merely thinking of the poor mothers of congested districts of the east side who had, so, who had so poignantly begged me for relief in order that the children they had already brought into the world might have a chance to grow into strong and stalwart Americans. It was almost impossible to believe that the dissemination of knowledge easily available to the intelligent and thoughtful parent of the well-to-do classes was actually a criminal act prescribed not only by state laws but federal laws as well. Um, it goes on to say that her paper was suppressed. She was arrested and indicted by federal authorities, yada, yada, yada. But we see how things evolve over the course of time. And so that's what I was saying. Now, there, like I said, her legacy is very complex when it comes to racism. Was she racist? Was she not? But I'm one of those people that I want to go to the source. And when I went to the source, that is what I found. So that is why I stated that it was out of context. Now, I'm not confirming or denying that she was racist, but if mm-hmm. we're going to make attribute quotes to whether she said it or not, we need to make certain that it's the right quote and that we're attributing it the proper way. No, okay. yeah, I think those are all fair thoughts. Thank you, Amir, for your thoughts. Uh, very, yes, very good questions. Let's go to another caller. Area code six seven eight last three three zero six. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three tips on this morning's discussion. Good morning. This is a very good discussion. I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> um, Latrice, I want to commend you for some very good points you're making. And I'm glad that you brought up the Planned Parenthood and its 3% because a lot of people like to throw that up front and not realizing that Planned Parenthood do a whole array of different, provide a lot of services beyond abortion. Now, what I want to say is that this has nothing to do with life. It's pretty much control. And what really did it for me is when you're making laws and saying you're not giving any exception in in case of incest and rape and things like that. And we all know that there have been several cases come up where judges have given men minimum, in some cases, no jail time at all for rape. So if we're giving men no jail time for rape, raping a woman, but we're saying we're going to imprison doctors for performing abortion. We know that that really kind of spell what they're what it's all about. And even this thing about the, the morning after pill, there are a lot of pharmacies, a lot of people are discouraging and even refusing from providing those services. So that also should show you that it has nothing to do with life because that would even, that would even move forward from that six weeks that these bills are talking about. Uh, but one thing I wanted to uh, point out or that uh, uh, the one of your panelists mentioned is that we're, women need to make better choices, but we got to also understand that uh, contraceptives do fail, and not just the pill, but also condoms, uh, IUD, etc., etc. So these things do happen where you, it's not just somebody just going out there and just having unprotected sex. There are cases where things do happen. So we have to keep those things in mind when we make these, have these discussions. Uh, uh, thoughts, I'm, I'm thank you uh, for your thoughts. 
No, thank you for your <laughs> okay. thoughts, and we definitely will discuss it. And we got, yep, we got some other callers as well. So let me say this in reference to what Tennyson had to say, and I want to hear your thoughts, um, Selena. Um, the last point, I think your bigger point has been a lot of times this situation is coming about about because of bad choices. However, I will say, based on what Tennyson just said, if these laws are more restrictive and you do have a situation where there is contraception failing or whatever, and I agree with you, those are not the abundance of cases. Sometimes people make that argument, and I don't think Tennyson did that. But in the event that, you know, you're married and you're trying to be protective and you have a failed situation and it's not the right time for you, again, having a government law in place makes it restrictive for even the person who, in a sense, did not, you know, did not act care, carelessly, carelessly. So, what, you know, just agree. What is the thought on reference to, you know, Tennyson bringing that point to the table? Any thought on that, Sarah Lee? That takes me back to my initial point. My initial point was that they are doing everything they can to preserve the white race. And that means that, well, let's just be honest, eventually I would not be surprised if there were more laws made in regards to consent and rape basically excusing men from raping women. I wouldn't be surprised if that if we had another show about that soon. Um, but the reason I brought bring that up is because they are going to do whatever they need to do to preserve their white race. And by nature, a lot of these men in power are violent. They have they they have it's in their history to just go around raping people. So they're not going to mind raping their own in order to create more life for themselves. And so I feel like at the end of the day, that's. That's what this is all about. This whole Planned Parenthood, which was initially known as the Negro Project, it backfired on them and white people aren't being born enough. And so they're going to do whatever they have to do to get them to be born, even if that means making sure that they can't get abortions even if they are raped. That's what it's about. That's the figure. Yeah, Latrice, any thoughts? No, no, that's fair. My comment, my statement is that – when I looked at fertility rates um, in 2018, um, those the largest group that is most that has experienced the most severe decline has been the Hispanic um, Hispanic women, followed by American Indians, followed by Black women, followed by white women. Um, so white women still have more babies than Black women, than Hispanic women, than Native American women. Um, now. Um, that's 2018. So well, I'm I don't say, know well, let me change. make sure I understand that because let me make sure I'm sorry to cut you off, but I want to make sure I'm uh, understanding what you just said. So a little something, a little different so, than that. Right, right, right. That's why I'm that's why I'm making sure I'm hearing what you're saying uh, because part of I guess what is I think it's 2045 in which the United States specifically talking about our country obviously um, becomes majority minority. Part of them being able to project that is the birth rates are lagging behind for whites. And I definitely, I know I've seen it. I'm not, I didn't bring those, I could have brought those numbers to the table. So I'm going to try to make sure I'm understanding what you're saying when you say fertility rates are, is that the same as birth rates? Because it's pretty consistent that, that in America and really around the world that white birth rates are lagging. I know I've seen those numbers, and I can probably pull them up in the middle of the show as well. But I'm just trying to make sure I'm understanding what you just brought to the table because that's definitely so, something um, I think, you know, I've seen, but I can just give you my opinion. Right. So I'm sorry. I was talking about fertility rates that has decreased. So okay. when I look at birth rates, um, black women do have um, more births than women, than, than white women. But white black women are also more likely to die 
during childbirth than white women. And so there are bigger issues at play than that. Now, is this a ploy to, to get control, to, to make certain that the white race control continues to be the majority? It could absolutely be looking at, looking at the people in the room making these decisions. I don't disagree with that. That could very well be um, their evil plot to ensure that the white race remains a majority. But this also has an impact on black people because do we think that simply by enacting laws to to regulate access access to abortions, do we really think that that's going to stop? At the end of the day, do we think that women are, are going to not have abortions simply because the federal laws state that we can't? If we go back to the time before Roe versus Wade, women were in back rooms having abortions, dying, becoming infertile as a result of those things. So while we're saying, yes, we need to enact these laws because this is a ploy to, to make certain that the black race doesn't um, continue to grow at the rate that it's currently growing, um, at the end of the day, it's, not, it's just going to impact how women go about getting it and the outcome from those abortions, whether they're going to be healthy abortions, if you will, or whether it's going to result in ensuing death and, and health care related issues. There are a lot of women yeah, today think, that have infertility issues due to healthy abortions. So there are still women today that have problems carrying babies full term due to having abortions in the past. So whether it be healthy or non healthy, that the the chance of having infertility rates due to having abortion that's going to apply regardless. But those numbers are low. Those numbers are low. Yeah, and what I'll end up saying, you know, ultimately the one thing that is consistent and again this is just the facts of like I will say whether illegal or illegal, it doesn't change people's choice in this matter, you know, in a, in, in a sense. That is something that, again, again, I am still, personally, I will say, concerned with government involvement and something that I am willing to say should be personal choice between a man and a woman. Again, that's just my opinion of the matter, but there is nothing that states whether it's legal or illegal that will affect the, the, the numbers per se um, based on history. Let me go to another break, and we'll come out of the break to the other callers. we got more. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Sarah Lena, and our special guest on this morning's discussion, abortion 
pro-life or pro-choice, who's right is Latrice Ross, women's advocate and diversity specialist. I want to bring this to the table before I get to the callers. I need a whole another hour for this show because I prepared way more information than I can get in in actually even a couple of hours. Um, but I wanted to share this thought because where this conversation seemingly has not been boxed in is in a sense the gender discussion. Again, I, you know, again, I wanted to introduce that I don't like that quite often this is left to the responsibility of the woman from both sides of it. Again, and then when even for example when people are missing punishment currently, well something that's being brought to the table is if this law is put forward, right, that there there will be punishment for those who get abortions. So now it shifts it, in my opinion, all to the woman in that sense just to throw that out there. But I want to read another Facebook comment that I thought uh, was necessary to discuss in a sense how this is often couched between genders. And so I want to hear both of your thoughts on this. I'm going to start with you, Sarah Lena, but let me read this first. So this is another post that I saw that I thought, again, was telling. So this post below is only for those who chose to have consensual sex. If you did not consent, this is it for you. It's our body. We can do whatever we want with it. It's our body. We have a right to make as many abortion decisions. It's our body. They're wrong for telling women what to do. Even if he wanted the baby, he has no choice in the matter because it's our body. Well, these men need to be using condoms if they don't want children. Women can get abortions if they don't want kids. It's our body. We carry babies to term, not men. Men need to learn to use protection. But the men carry the eggs in their balls so yes, y'all need to use protection. And this, this, these are quotes that she was putting out. And she says, as a woman, there is something very wrong about these type of statements slash comments that I've been seeing. These statements to me seem to shift the responsibility of pregnancy solely on men. Seem like y'all excusing yourselves and other women to not be held accountable for becoming your child um, that you didn't want. When your legs are continuously coming apart, willingly, that is, who you think is responsible for asking if protection should be used. When you have two adults consenting to sex, why are statements above being made if it's our body? Why are we shifting the blame on men? Last time I checked, it takes two to make a child, and it takes two to choose to be protected. It takes one to carry that child, and that's your ass. If he says, no, I don't like condoms, then miss it. I'm sorry. Then you Mrs. My body need to say no. I don't want to have. I don't want babies or abortions. So why are we so quick to say it's my body? I can do with it. Yet discount the accountability and responsibility of said bodies and choices. What the hell is really going on here? Again, another woman's perspective. I think is in line with what you've been saying, um, Sarah Lena. And I hope that people are able to capture what I why I brought it to the table is the nuance of how this conversation seems to be couched in one gender or the other, and I'm hoping to bring to the table the responsibility of both genders when it comes to this. But any thoughts on what this um, young lady had posted on Facebook? Yeah, I agree with her 100%. I think all of those statements that those other sisters made, I feel like they come from sisters that are, they they lack accountability and responsibility and self-control of their own bodies and oftentimes self-respect because if you respect yourself, you're not going to be out here just sleeping with just anybody and then, also doing it raw and whatever, you know. Um, so I feel that 
again, as women, we should, both men and women should be held responsible when it comes to this. Um, sex shouldn't be something you just do because you're bored and you don't have something else to do and then you mess around and get pregnant, you know, and now you're blaming it all on the man. I don't think that's right. The same way you wouldn't want to blame a man to blame everything on you, you wouldn't, him, wouldn't want him to put full responsibility on you once the child is here. I feel like both of you should be responsible when it comes to sex, when it comes to children, when it comes to all of that. Unfortunately, a lot of sisters, like they just said, um, of the, the sperm starts with you. But if a man can, he can have sperm in him all he wants to. But when he ejaculates, if it doesn't come inside of you, there's no life going to be growing from that. In order for it to come inside of you, like you said, with, this is all for just consent. A woman that gave consent, then that means you allowed it to come inside of you. You allowed, you opened your legs, you allowed yourself to get pregnant by him. So you are just as responsible as the man is. And so I feel like a lot of these so, do lack accountability. Right. And so, Latrice, when I hear what the young lady had to say and is necessarily in a sense of agrees with her, this, the conversation, in my opinion, often kind of leave men out of it. I had another friend give me a, another post who feels the opposite, and I think, again, again, I want to bring all of it to the table. Let me see if I can see his real quick and then I'll hear a response. His response, let me find it real quick. Because I hear this a lot as well, and, again, I don't like this being couched in one version or the other. But his comment, which is somewhat short, but it's pretty much the opposite of what she had to say, is until a baby comes out of a man's body, an opinion on abortion should not come out of his mouth. And so your thoughts, Latrice, again, my concern is that it continually, whoever, whatever side someone's on, people tend to leave the other gender out. What are your thoughts on all of this? So because it takes two to procreate, the, there should be two people involved in the discussion as to whether or not an abortion should take place because it, it is ultimately a woman's choice. But the flip side of that is, and I actually got into this discussion with a, with a gentleman that I know, is when women make the decision to have a baby when a man doesn't want one, and then that man is on the hook for child support. To me, the same rules apply. If a man indicates that he does not want a child and that woman refuses to abort the child, then that man should have the right to relieve himself of any parental responsibility because he had the discussion with you and indicated that, no, I don't want a child, but then you go ahead and proceed. So I try not to be double-minded about these things. It is, it mm -hmm. takes two to procreate. It should be two involved in the conversation um, as we go forward. So I don't think that, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that, the, the last comment that, that you made um, or that, that the post that you read. Um, I do believe that it takes two to procreate. I, I believe that it should be two people involved in the conversation um, at the end of the day. Um, but what we see is that a lot of women um, are left with a responsibility for raising children on their own, and so that's why a lot of women make that decision. And I try not to be judgmental about they made bad choices or whatever because I know people who, who have been in committed relationships and it just, it, you know, things happened and it wasn't the right time for them. And so... It's a difficult conversation To me I don't think that the government Belongs in people's bedrooms What happens go, goes on in, in those bedrooms Is their business And for, for me the Republican Party Who says we need less governmental involvement In our personal lives But they don't 
view the same, they don't have that same perspective when it comes to legislating a woman's uterus as if it's open for public discussion. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I believe it's a, a dual gender conversation, but at the end of the day, the woman is going to make the final decision, be that right or wrong. Yeah, I like some of the, a couple of things you said, if I could kind of point this out. And, again, I think this is an important aspect of nuance, um, like the idea of, like you said, in that sense of the man says, I don't want it, then maybe he shouldn't get that obligation. If, if that, for example, were to come into context, again, since this is where I do agree with you is that this is being regulated by the government. Like I just, I just struggle with that part personally or whatever. Like personally, I pro-life person. But at the same time, I've had a personal situation where uh, I, I told you about this. Truth, I had a personal situation where um, I had a few pregnancy scares in my lifetime, um, and just scared, you know, just in the fact that I was active with the woman. I had used protection in a couple of the occasions, and in a couple of those occasions, it was a possibility. You know, again, I was with her, so you have to consider it, right? And so, both times, I, because I'm pro-life, was like, hey, if it's mine, I want it. Let's have it. You know, that kind of situation or whatever, but in a couple of situations, she was possibly involved with someone else, and obviously that, was, that ended up being the case or whatever. In one of the situations, she went ahead and did it, but I didn't put up a fight because at that time in my life, it would have been the worst thing that could have happened. So she didn't bring it to me to make the choice, but it was at that moment that I realized, oh, I've been pro-life all my life. But in this very moment, I'm not mad. I was not mad at that decision. And the decision, when I say that decision, it was a, a, a either or to this day. Don't know if it was mine or not. But I am willing to admit that when she made a decision on her own, didn't figure out if it was mine or the other person, didn't figure that out. She went ahead and made the decision based on what was happening in my life personally at the time. The other two times were not favorable either, but I was – took my stance. I'll deal with responsibility. I'll take responsibility. And those two times were brought to me personally for that choice. Again, didn't have to worry about it. It was not my baby. But in the third time when I got hit with that situation based on my circumstances, again, didn't get hit with the decision, didn't ask me, because, again, it was precarious for her as well. She made the decision. And it just reminded me that a lot of things that we're real adamant about, life will hit you with those situations, and quite often as humans, we fail even on our biggest values. And I'm not saying that happens for everybody. Some people stand and, you know, stand by their values at all times. But I'm just being willing to say, as a man who is, and I still feel like I'm pro-life. Again, I got hit with a situation, stood my ground. But, again, I had another situation where I was glad she made that choice. And that's just me being honest and trying not to be a hypocrite in saying, okay, although I'm pro-life, here's a real-life example where I might have would have made a decision had she brought it to me to, you know, to ask that. Like, again, I didn't even get to ask the question, so I got lucky. But that's still, again, me admitting that truth. And I think these type of conversations bring that to the table quite often. And so that's where I lose the judgment because there are real-life circumstances, as you, could, as you mentioned, where even married couples say this is not the best time, again, I want that decision to be a woman and a man, and currently I think the man quite often gets left out. So that's the thing I hate the most about our current current situation, 
but things are definitely moving, you know, in a direction where it's going to be more government involvement. That's just that's just a, a reality. At least it's going to get tested eventually with Roe v. Wade. Again, that's a kind of a little synopsis for me. And I kind of want you to, you know, comment on even just in hearing that. Latrice actually knew that about me. So what are your thoughts? Again, I've been pretty much like you, pro-life, take the responsibility. But I had a circumstance in which, again, had I been given the choice, I don't think I would have fought for her to have the child had it been mine, had I think, figured that out versus the t- two times that I, you know, stood up, stood my ground and stood by my values. I think that happens for people all the time. Any thoughts, Ellen? Um, I don't really have any thoughts on that. Honestly, I feel like you, you know what your situation was at the time. And if I don't want to ask you personal questions, but if she got pregnant at a time where neither one of you were ready to have a child, then that just shows that you probably weren't being very responsible when it came to sex at that time in your life. So, I mean, that's that's really what it boils down to. So So I think that as black people we should value black families. I own it. Yeah, I absolutely own it. I own it. So here's the question for people who are making decisions based on their irresponsibility, mine at that time, right? So mm-hmm. in making that irresponsible situation, for someone that says, I'm not going to be able to take care of this child because some people are making that decision for that reason. And again, I'm not justifying it. I'm just talking about the reality of people who are making that decision. Right, of course. So you saying what sh- what should they saying, do? Like once the bad decision is already yeah, made, like 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 do? how do you hide? How do we again? I fail on the responsibility. I, I I can own that, and so you know, and and again, I, now what I can say because I again I run in a circle of men like this, and again I, I was faced with it a couple times and said to the woman again I got asked in those other two situations, so I was like, have the baby regardless of the situation. Let's handle it. I was just glad that it didn't come to me this time. That that this particular time that we're talking about. But I would have handled my business like a lot of men in that sense. So, you again, you handle, you handle the responsibility. But the reality is handling your business for some people is a bad circumstance for the child. So for people that consider that, after being irresponsible, do, you know, again, do, in a sense, what's the, what's the thought, to, you know, from your perspective? What's the thought when they're facing, like, I, I'm going to give my child a, a terrible life in trying to do this? Well, I think to think that somebody is going to, by default, going to give your child a terrible life because you're not in a good um, position when you find out you're pregnant, that's kind of a defeatist mentality. You're not going to automatically, your child isn't automatically going to have a terrible life. Um, When you find out the child is pregnant, that you usually have several months to get some things in order. And then from there, you have to, again, value family structure enough to be able to work together and co-parent and do what you need to do in order to ensure that child has a good life. I think as black people as a whole, we do not value the family structure. We definitely don't value black men enough to include them into things. So I think that's the major issue right now. I think that once we as a people start to care more about the family structure and to restore that, a lot of these things won't be as much of an issue as they are. Yeah, that I can 100% agree with. Um, yeah, the scenario with the man who says he doesn't want it, which that wouldn't have been me. Again, I would have handled my business, you know, whoever, if you know, again, even that scenario where I was glad that it happened, I would have handled my business. But some men in that very scenario would just say, no, I'm not, you know, don't do it. 
And so for that sister, if, you know, if she has a couple of children per se, and she's like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting by with these two, but this third one, and he's already told me he's not going to help. That's a, that's a huge burden, and it becomes quite often a burden of the state, which is a whole other issue, right, uh, in, in, in a lot of those cases. So when I say a terrible life, I'm just talking about that sister who ends up being stuck by herself in that scenario. That's Again, that's just kind of what I was thinking of. Single mother. Not so, so much me as a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's kind of hmm. the fact that I was thinking of. Go ahead. Me? Selena? I feel like if the oh, single yeah, mother... I wasn't going to know if you were talking yeah, yeah, yeah. to a tree. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Therese. Okay. Okay, okay. I okay. just um, thought I heard you respond. I'm sorry. Okay. So, um, I think that that's a very real situation that you shared. Um one of the things that um, I think we need to be cognizant of or conscious of is that when we talk about behaviors in the black community, um, it runs much deeper than simply changing behavior or changing our mindset. When we actually do the research, um, a lot of what we have, a lot of what we see in our community is due to, um, partially due to the breakdown of the black family. And then when we dig deeper into the cause of that, um, there are some underlying systemic issues that have come to play. Um, additionally, when we talk about behaviors of black people in the black community, we, we need to, it runs deeper than you just need to change your mindset or you just need to think differently or, or those kinds of things. Um, I think we need to really begin to do the research into why our community is in the state that it's in and, and figure out ways to begin to attack them with, with time-tested, scientifically-tested methods to change what's happening in our community. Um, and I do believe that if those things were to happen, then this discussion wouldn't be so visceral to so many of us. Um, we, we, when we, and, and to, to the point about this being a ploy to increase um, the white majority, it could very well be. But in, in our present state, what threat do we really bring to the white community? Um, because we don't have the power, we don't have the resources. So if we continue on procreating the way that we do, bringing children into poverty-stricken situations, bringing them into situations where the educational um, institutions in our communities are poorly um, provided for, um, we don't pose a threat to the status quo at all. No, fair enough. And and what I will say when you say when you say bringing the science, again, you know I am pro strong family, pro black family. Again, we speak to it on this show. And so yeah, and so what ends up happening is and this doesn't in these conversations, which is kinda of along with Sarah Lena saying, is if you just I don't say what she just said, if we learn to value our men, value our women, value the next generation then the number two point is if when they're brought up in a family structure in general, doesn't mean every family works, right? But in general, the numbers point mightily in that direction. And so there, there is an aspect, again, I escaped my scenario. Again, I didn't even get asked a question the time that I was afraid to go against my values. That happened. I admit that. You know what I'm saying? So I escaped and did not even make the choice. But we definitely, in my opinion, should have to keep speaking to the best scenario for your child is knowing that the significant other will be there, and so you have to include 
the other agenda, the other gender in the discussion, and not mm-hmm. allow politics to couch it into a man versus a woman, which is what I ultimately see when it comes to these political discussions, and That's everything cool. seemingly gets couched that way. And I'm with you, the truth in the sense of, um, you know, if even if it is being done as a form of population control, it does not change what we need to do to strengthen our community. And I had another friend who said he wouldn't get involved in this conversation because he said there are bigger things that we need to be discussing, and I wouldn't completely disagree with him on that in the sense that the family structures in pushing for that is almost regardless of what happened with these laws. Regardless, it doesn't change the need to do that, if that makes sense. Doing that that will make these laws kind of null and void to our community if we could find that Mm -hmm. focus. I'm sorry, who wants to speak? Go ahead. No, not I just I completely I completely agree. I definitely definitely feel like the family structure is something like the sister said. It's so systematically it's done by design to dismantle our family structure. Our people has been the only group of people where the family structure has been purposely torn apart. Where we have purposely been put um, separated each other, like man versus woman. We're the only group that has it's had that much effort into destroying our family. So when we can get back to that, whether it be through programs, whether it be through representation, whether it be through creating our own media, anything that we need to do in order to have us value that family structure, again, again, a lot of these conversations wouldn't be so, I'm not going to say so important, but they, like you said, null and void because it wouldn't affect us as much if we valued that family structure and each other as man and woman. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got about three minutes. I'm going to sneak in one more because I had so many callers wait, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going to get to all of them. I'm going to get one more thing and make it quick. I'm going to give them a shot. 817-LASTY-691. If you got a quick thought, we'll take it. We are up against the end of the hour, but I just wanted to try to speak you in. I had a lot of callers getting in, and I didn't get to all of them. Go ahead. Hey, man, this is Mick out of Arlington, Texas. I don't have enough time to say everything I want to say, so I will choose to say this. I have a very strong professional appreciation for Latrice. I think she's very well-spoken, very well-researched. I am forwarding you a document that corroborates uh, her uh, skepticism about some of the characterization of Sanger. I don't know Sanger. This is my first time hearing about that. I did a quick research. I'm sending that over. But I just felt of all the things I wanted to say, I got to give her a shout-out for the way she presented her arguments, her well-balanced approach, and I think it fits the the mental uh, mental dialogue culture very well. Uh, I hope that you do a a second part of the show. uh, All right. And we might, yeah, we might figure out a way to dig in. Yeah, I mean, there's so many aspects when it comes to family that we could discuss this or give us an opportunity. Thank you for your thoughts, King. Sorry I couldn't get more time with you. Uh, we got a couple of minutes. I'm going to give you all both closing thoughts uh, to this discussion. Can't get to the last couple of callers out there. Sorry. But because next Saturday, we do this type of radio every Saturday morning, so get with us. Uh, go ahead, um, Patrice. You're our special guest. We'll you can give us a quick closing thought. You may have already kind of done it, but if there's anything else you want to say, go ahead, please. All right. Um, I'd just like to say that I think that we need to look at it from a political perspective and, and understand that, you know, while we're looking at it from a holistic or emotional or spiritual perspective, the people that are enacting the laws are not necessarily doing so. And I, I don't call them pro-life because their, their legislative history shows that they are not pro-life. They are pro-fetus because at birth, when that child is born, 
particularly if that child is born into poverty. They are trying to do everything that they can to take away the safety net that helps these women and children in poverty situations. Um, and so I yeah. think that thank we you. need to be mindful of that. Uh, thank you, Sarah Lena. we got a minute. I'm going to give you the last minute for the show. Thank you, Queen, for being with us again. Look forward to trying to get you on in the future, but I know you're starting your own program. If you want to mention anything you're doing, you can definitely take advantage of that in the last minute. Well, I just say to my people, just try to value yourself, value man, value woman, value children, value life, value the fa- value family values, and try to do the best you can to become the best version of yourself so that conversations like this won't impact you as much. And know that the people oh, that do enough. make these laws do not care about you <laughs> at all. They care about pre- preserving themselves. So. And I agree with you oh, on absolutely. that. Absolutely. Fair enough. So we got some agreement here at the end. Thank you all for being with us every Saturday morning. All I ask is that you think we're going to leave you with a quick rep. I didn't get to do all of the song for J. Cole, so I'm going to leave you with one last piece again, other perspectives um, from one of our rappers. But I definitely, you know, I'm a hip-hop head, so we bring it to the table. So thank you all for being with us, and we'll close the show out. Show out with this song. We'll be right back. We won't, because I'm sorry, I'm tripping. I'll see y'all next Saturday, same time, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. every Saturday morning. All I ask is that you think. Nobody perfect, we can make it work for the Everything happens for a reason, and people change like the season. They grow apart, he wanted him to show his heart and say he loved her. He spoke the magic words, and on the same day, he fucked and nasty wide open. She put a ring up on his finger if she could, but he loved her because the pussy good.